Hey, how's it going? Hey. What's up, everybody? Yeah. It's a day when we're recording another episode. I know. And this is Whole Nine Yards, whole, right, Ray? Yes, this is Whole Nine Yards, everybody. Thanks for coming back. Thanks for listening. And hopefully mashing that subscribe button. Mash away. Yes, mash. And, um... Thanks to everybody who wrote in. Yeah. We're still trying to get the hang of, you know, it's in our first, you know, uh, so we're trying to get the hang of getting the mail and sorting the mail and figuring out uh, what to... Uh, get the mailman for Christmas. Yeah. So if you wrote in, uh, we'll probably surely get to that. Definitely Please will. keep on writing. Uh, meantime... What's today's topic that we're going to discuss? Today, you should ask. Yes, I am. Um... Uh, we have a sort of a colors umbrella sort of a thing. And my first one up is blackmail. Blackmail? Yeah. Okay. All right. Let me tell you a little about uh, that. That one's not really one that we need to do the, uh, hey, what does this mean to you? We all know what blackmail means. Sure. You're coercing me from something, through something, via something. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess it could be nouny or verby. But uh, it still is what it is, and we know what it means. So Yeah. Um, Where does it come from? Well, let me go ahead and, and back you into this. <laughs> oh. Uh, so, so just some basic definitions, because so we didn't say any of those mm-hmm. things. We just talked about knowing them. Um, the extortion of money by threats of public accusation, exposure, or censure. Mm. Okay, that, that's, a, that's one of the major... Uh, definitions of that. Okay. So uh, that that's the basic definition that that we're describing here mm-hmm. and and various permutations of that. So where it would seem to come from is uh is Scotland of all places. Uh, okay. Apparently on the Scottish English border and we're talking 16th century here. Scottish chiefs would uh, shake down farmers for protection payments against uh, plunder mm-hmm. of sorts. Mm-hmm. There are some other references that would suggest that it was this group of, of border bad guys, and they collected from the Scots and from the English for safe passage across the border and to protect them against har- harassment and said plunder. But this is all still what we're talking 16th century, mm-hmm. right? And every source takes us back to there. So this is clearly where it came from. Solid origin. Yes, it's very solid. Once again, we have the Scandinavians contributing this word. And so male comes from a Scandinavian word, mal, meaning rent or tribute. And... A lot of scholars think that the black was a play on uh, silver coins that were called white money, which were the, that's what they, they called paying the rent uh, at that time. So this was, this was like uh, the opposite of, of your normal payment. This was the other kind of payment. You're going to give it to us to stay safe. So apparently these silver coins were white oh, money. Oh, literally. Okay, right. And, and, oh, and that's what you use to pay the rent. Mm-hmm. with normally. Mm-hmm. Now these bad guys come along and shake you down, and so it ended up being called blackmail. A little bit of trivia. Mm-hmm. My for, favorite. For one reason or another. 
uh, one of the earliest forms of political blackmail in Amer- in the United States uh, was uh, an Alexander Hamilton scandal where uh, he was having an affair with this Maria Reynolds woman. And this Maria Reynolds husband wanted some money from mm-hmm. him, but he, he didn't go along with that. And um, so that guy went to Congress and yada, 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 tried to get him in more trouble, oh. but it didn't work for that dude. I don't think he ever got any money. Put the kibosh on that. Yeah, which you kind of feel bad for the guy because he, you know, it was his wife and everything. But this is this is just the trivia I'm giving you. I I I, I didn't do it. I'm not a part of it. Sure. I'm just delivering the news. Information. Yeah. I like trivia. Yeah. Alexander Hamilton is a philanderer. Got it. Boom. Done. <laughs> What's on your deck? Oh, uh, I have red herring uh, up over here. I'll, I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah. Okay. This is one of those sayings. Yeah. You know, now white elephant, which I won't explain because we'll probably get to that. Uh, yeah, don't don't give them all away. But white elephant, at some point in my life, I looked up, I got tired of people saying it and me not knowing what to, and I looked it up and then, okay, now I get it. Yeah. Red herring, I have never digested what the hell that is and why we say it. I mean, I have a similar uh, I guess story we I, I remember learning about the red herrings uh, when we're reading Sherlock Holmes in uh, I guess elementary school perhaps junior high where that's I feel like I don't know is it it comes up often they often say red herrings or you always the teacher says look out for the red herrings because it's their mystery novels so they're designed to to mislead you and you, you're not supposed to know exactly the ways I feel like Sherlock Holmes always brought up a red herring in the context of well this is a red herring and I'm like oh that's cool what does that mean I never looked it up though yeah I knew you know like what we say it, it's uh, something to throw off to mislead you we'll say that as a definition because I, I didn't actually write down the specific definition something to mislead you I and I I, I don't want to get far ahead but mine have oh it's always been a, i've just left it a guess in my life yeah so i kind of think of it as maybe it's a thing where people say yeah that that fish is red and the rest of them aren't red but don't let that throw you off because it's still just a fish that's what i thought maybe they're kind of saying i mean you're not that tremendously far off yeah i'm always not that no tre- i mean I'm, I'm a positive kind of guy <laughs> <laughs> if anyone knows um uh, kind of. I guess the the origin of the figurative sense of this phrase uh, is 1805. Not the first usage, but the figurative usage. Um, English journalist William Cobbett wrote a story about himself, fictional story, uh, and how he used a literal red herring to throw off the scent of hounds that were following why did it have to be red? Well, that's the thing. The red herrings were smoked. A herring is white. You mean this herring is dead already? Dead. Dead. And this one is cooked, apparently. For the love of St. I think. I, my, my notes later might tell me that I'm incorrect, but I strongly believe that the red herring is a smoked herring versus a white herring, which is not cooked. Wow. So this little boy, this story... Um, he uses the red herring to throw the hounds off the scent of a hare slash rabbit, not hare. Yeah. Yeah. But this was a metaphor that he used uh, to decry the press, basically, 
which it allowed itself to be misled by false information. Specifically, the supposed defeat of Napoleon around this time was the press was talking about. So you wanted that rabbit, but all you got was a stinky smoke dead fish because i smelled that and i was like oh what's that and i went after the red fish it's instead yes. of the rabbit he's okay. misleading yeah from even farther back and it's presumed that uh the red herring might have actually been a practical joke in the 1670s eras do tell that the ruling class would play upon their working class workers oh. who worked for them and how'd they do this? Uh, well, uh, I have a Dr. Jasper Maine, which the name sounds familiar. Um, after he died, left a trunk to his lifelong servant. And then the quote is, The doctor being dead, the trunk was speedily visited by his servant with mighty expectation. Sure. When he found this promising legacy to be nothing but a red herring. So that it might be said of him, that his propensity to innocent, oh man, he says, that his propensity to innocent raillery, or razzing, as we like to say, was so great that it kept him company even after death. So Dr. Jasper Maine was that of a practical joker. And yeah, I like he, his doctor. He played, apparently, a joke on one of his servants by leaving him this chest, of just this awesome chest you get when I die, and... Upon opening the chest, he found just a smoked fish inside. Oh, I'm going to do this. It's, it's a, but it happens. It seems like this is a joke played by several other folks in the same manner. Uh, raising and then dashing a long time servant's hopes. Uh, I don't understand. So in, like, in this case, the red herring is a disappointing reward in the place of something you imagine to be valuable. Oh. I mean, first of all, Dr. Jasper is a cruel jerk. It's, it's really but, mean. <laughs> but the idea of, I mean, I like practical jokes, Same, yeah. so I have to rig some of those for my passing. The razzing's nice. Yeah, so it, it's, it's similar to the misleading, in a way of like, you're actually, oh, you're dangling the truth. You're like, oh no, here it is, come get it. Which, it's the same, red herring. You're misleading. But those are some kind of like, uh, you know, backgrounds on red herring. I mean, they're, they're really relating it to actually using smoked fish to train horses and dogs is like what they did. They used to use those things for real. But we use it in language to mean misleading because... It's misleading. Because I think because of this practical joke. All right. In the, in the, in the 1672s is what I have written. I'm going to accept this and try to... Em- Employ it finally into my vernacular. The red herring. Yeah, I mean, mine, my beginning and end is Sherlock Holmes. People used to speak with such eloquence. It's like uh, reading Nabokov, and now we have like a hundred words we use. Yeah, I mean, we only need the one. Just the yeah and the mm-hmm. Two, I guess. All right. <laughs> so how about if we oh, take man. a break for some ads? Yeah, because that was, well, okay. Yes, let's take an ad break. Yeah. Here we go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Support Whole 9 Yards and make your life easier with Instacart. Online grocery shopping made simple. Instacart connects you with personal shoppers in your area to shop and deliver groceries from your favorite stores in a single order. Products you love from local stores, hand-selected based on your preferences. Many items may be delivered in as little as an hour. Instacart helps to save you money on your favorite items and recommends new products that you might also love. Instacart, the most convenient way to shop. 
Whole Nine Yards is sponsored by the Roberto Clemente Museum. Located in a restored engine house in Pittsburgh's revitalized Lawrenceville neighborhood, the Clemente Museum is a showcase of the largest exhibited collection of baseball artifacts, works of art, literature, photographs, and memorabilia related to Roberto Clemente and his life in baseball. Shop the store for clothing and other items featuring the iconic 21 logo and purchase tour tickets for the museum at clementemuseum.com. Enter promo code W9Y21 for a 10% discount on hats and tees. That's clementemuseum.com, promo code W9Y21. Whole Nine Yards is sponsored by Big Science Music. Big Science Music is a can and one show award-winning original music and sound boutique, providing scoring, sound design, radio, podcast, and audio post-production services for the advertising, film, and video industries. Big Science Music also offers ADR, casting, and project management. Big Science Music's reels, full capabilities, and more can be found at bigsciencemusic.com. That's bigsciencemusic.com. Hey, we're back. Thanks for coming back. Yes. Or not leaving. For the color episode. Yes. The first color episode. I'm sure we'll do other ones on color. Well, you brought up White Elephant earlier, so we have to do that one for sure someday. All right. So I have Redneck up. I'm going to jump into Redneck. All right. I know, right? I mean, okay, yeah. So Redneck has some odd things about it, but then it... It sort of meanders around into a world that you go, yeah. Kind of like my last one I did. Well, this is, yeah. So there's a popular one, uh, a popular idea for where this came from that people like to talk about. And we, we find that sometimes. But then when you dig a little deeper, you go, ah, Jimmy. This one is the West Virginia miners in early 1900s that, you know, you've heard stories. They're in terrible working conditions, people getting caved in, mm-hmm. the mine bosses just working them hard, people mm-hmm. are dying, all that stuff. So um, those miners by 1921 uh, rebelled against these conditions and went on strike. And corporate mine owners paid uh, an army basically to intimidate and fight these striking miners. And I'm, I'm, you know, yeah. Wow. Uh, it, it is said that president Harding even sent federal troops to, uh, to help fight them. Yeah. You know, it's just wow. the time we were in. Man. So it's like you are stopping coal from happening yeah. and the country needs coal. So you're a problem. So yeah. Ugh. Um, so this army of miners, uh, that was defending themselves didn't have any uniforms and they had just, uh, you know, whatever bullets and guns and food they had was their own. They supplied themselves with their needs. They weren't really an army at all. They were just who they were, you know, a bunch mm-hmm. of guys got together. Um, and they took to wearing a red bandana around their necks. And that was oh. their way to, hey, don't shoot me. I'm on your side. Red bandanas, we were the team. That was their uniform. Yeah. So there's no question, it seems, that those miners distinguished their uniform with the red bandana and called themselves uh, rednecks or were eventually soon after called rednecks. Yeah. However, okay. it, it, we did just recently have one of these, and I'm struggling to come up with which episode had this word, but it's one of those words that there's a cute story that sounds like, yeah, that's where it came from, but really... 
it was an appropriation of that word or a re, what's popular to say, reimagining of that word uh, that already existed. They sort of took ownership of a negative word and made it this word. So it seems that that is what happened here. Mm. Um, because decades earlier, the use of redneck it has been was documented. So no. So this couldn't have been how it was born. Mm-hmm. Um, they had heard it, yada, yada. It turns up in American context in 1904, which is earlier than this, you know. It meant an uncouth countryman. Mm-hmm. And th- that is is sort of in keeping with, with how you think of it as used today, right? Yeah. Significantly further back, Dutch settlers in Africa from the late 17th century were known as Boers, B-O-E-R, mm-hmm. Boers. Okay. They are on record of uh, calling the Englishmen that were down there in Africa rednecks because the Englishmen were novices of, in Africa mm-hmm. and didn't wear the big hats and didn't protect themselves and ended up with a redneck. And, and, and that documentation is back in the 19th century. So... Well before... Well before... The coal mining Yeah, strikes. any of that stuff. Yeah. Um, and even further back, a derogatory name for Scott Highlanders uh, in, in the 16th century who went bare-legged were called red shanks. So uh, <laughs> it's sort of, you know, can yeah. be derivative of that. Also Scotland. Man, a lot of stuff comes from Scotland. Scotland. Well, and, and Scandinavia, yeah. right? And so it was just a lot of history there. Yeah. Uh, you know, Presbyterian rebels in the 1600s wore these red cloths around their neck to demonstrate their rebellion. And there, there's plenty of documentation suggesting that when Scots came to America, the English settlers called them rednecks, remembering this of their across-the-pond mm-hmm. quasi-brethren. Hmm. So there's a bunch of stuff like that. But basically, it evolved into being the uncouth countrymen alongside the term hillbilly, which we can address sometime. And that's what, that's how it's sort of used today. Yeah. I guess, so what the Dutch settlers and the English settlers in Africa, what year was, when, what, around, when was that? Well, uh, we're talking the 1800s. Okay. Wow. I mean, I guess that same thing. Like I always assumed it was the literal sun burnt neck. But I did not know it went that far back. But they're still saying they that was the burnt neck mm-hmm. by the sun. Yeah. It's just older than any of that. And then, yeah, some of these other references about bandana or the Scottish uh, Highlanders with the cloths. I mean, those are maybe clever or fun or quaint revisitations or mm. redefinements of it. Yeah. But look, it, it seems to be a a slang meaning you got some sunburn on your neck yeah and which which implies (laughs) you are you don't have your act together you can't you Mm -hmm. don't know to wear a hat you're dumb whatever all those kinds of things right low-level countrymen yeah huh neat sweet so what do you got uh my next one is blue moon i like that song saw me standing alone yeah without a care in my heart without a care, a care in, my in my heart, heart. okay without a love of my own nice i know right? you did it okay good uh I, this phrase means i mean rarely 
once in a blue moon we say that. That's what we say. And it happens rarely. It's right. A, it's a thing that happens rarely. That's what I'm told. Yes. I'm no astronomer or astrologist. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, so the first known recorded use of a form of this phrase was written in an anti-religious pamphlet in 1528. That's far back. Yes. Uh, characters in this pamphlet, because who has time to write a whole book in 1528? No one's going to read that. No one can read. you got to write a pamphlet, I guess. Well, you, everything had to be written by hand, so sure. I'm, no one wants to sit and write a book. No. No, you don't have time. Pamphlets. That's all we get. Yeah. And we write in Middle English, which, if you can't tell about my sigh, was a burden of mine as a child. Just it's such an annoying language. I don't know. You know, it, language is evolving. Don't ever forget that. We used to talk like crazy people and spell things like crazy people. And now we don't. Now we say LLL and we spell yeah, it Yeah, we boiled everything down to four words and a, and a, and a letter. Yeah. Uh, but these two characters in this 1528 pamphlet, anti-religious pamphlet, uh, a character says to another character, if they say the moon is blue, I gotta, it's like, ugh! We must believe that it is true, but it's spelled Y-F, and the moon is M-O-N-E, and blue is spelled B-L-E-W-E. Like, come on, guys. That's perfect. Ah, it's so frustrating. So this character is saying about the religious establishment that if they say that the moon is blue, we have to believe it because they're in charge and we don't know anything. All right, I don't understand. The no, it changes later, and this is where we start. Okay. The phrase means that um, regardless of how ridiculous a statement is, you must believe it, is where the phrase originates. All right, getting it. So after some time, 200 years, <laughs> the definition morphed uh, from being based in absurdity to mean something that was impossible or would never happen. So we're starting off as it's, you have to believe it's true, regardless of how absurd it is, to now, this is now never going to happen. This is impossible. And 1821 publication, Real Life in London, a character says, How's Harry and Ben haven't seen you this blue moon? Saying, how are you? I haven't seen you in a long time. Haven't seen you this blue moon. Yeah, meaning, you know, they're using it in the sort of getting closer to the time that we say, or that we, the phrase that we use. Is Getting expensive. closer. Yeah. So in 1937, now we're like, whatever. Yeah, the, leaps and bounds. I know. Now we're now 100 years after that. So in the main farmer's almanac gives the relative modern definition, also having nothing to do with the original phrase, defining blue moon as the third full moon in a season of four full moons. In this case... Uh, the seasons are split into four equal, you know, three-month chunks, right. as they are, corresponding with solstices and equinoxes when we used to pay attention, rather than calendar months. So most lunar cycles complete in one month, which we, we get, um, meaning there are usually 12 lunar cycles every year. However, lunar cycles don't follow our rules, because why would they? No. It's, you know, they don't have to. It still does its own thing. Right. So normally, each season will have three full moons, um, and each moon given its own name, but in a season with four full moons, the third moon of the four is called the blue moon. 
Why? Wait. wait. Do we know why? Uh, yes. Good. So the third moon is called the blue moon, so that the fourth moon could be called its normal name. The moon. <laughs> I don't, yeah. Uh, it, well, it's they're named in line with the solstices and equinoxes. I yeah, see. sorry. Right, yeah. right, right, yeah, right. Yeah. So when it gets thrown off, you don't want to be thrown no, off. No, you, so you, you got to keep wing those. the blue moon in. It's a, it's a subset. To stagger it out. It's a 1A. Yeah. Or a 3B. It's your March, it's your February 29th. Yeah, it's what gets you. Um, so by this interpretations, blue moons occur roughly every three years. And yes, it is possible to see a real blue moon. But it isn't blue. No, it appears blue. Yes, I know. That's what I'm getting to. This is the, the trivia side to this one. So like how the sky is blue because of the scattering of photons off of water particles in our atmosphere being shorter and more vibrant, the blue, the blue light waves versus long, slow, red-white light waves. Right, right, right. Um, you, the moon can appear this way in certain times because same thing. Particles bouncing off of each other faster, moving quicker towards us, appear to be blue. Right. Yeah. I can appreciate that, but it does not correlate to the moons that we call blue in this odd little cycle. Necessarily, they have nothing to do with each other. Um, no. Right. This is just a fun, fun, that you, yes, a blue moon is a the thing that can The blue moon that's exist. named, because it fits in that thing as right. a little placeholder, yeah. is nothing to do with the color or, you know, because the fourth moon of that cycle might be the one that looks blue because right. of atmospheric conditions. Exactly. Nothing to do with each other. No, just a fun trivia. Fun trivia. Uh, the, f I don't know if it's the first probably documented case of a blue moon happened because of uh, the volcanic ash from the Krakatoa uh, volcano. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> it got in the atmosphere and the moon appeared blue for two years. Jeez. Because Lord. of the particles in the atmosphere. Yeah. And the dispersion of, of photons through those particles. Yeah. So it's possible to see a blue moon. It's a real phenomenon. But we, it's, you know, all right. We use it in our language to mean rare now. It's a little story we got there that started in Middle English. That was a ended, good story. Ended with science. The end. <laughs> the end. So those, that's our color episode, right? Yeah. And uh, so thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening. It was great for us. Yeah. Um, this one, this episode might have been a, a little bit longer, so thanks for sticking in there. And uh, what else happened? I'm going to tell you. If you want to get a hold of us, and I really, really hope you do, yeah. um, say, uh, email, email us at, you know, at heyu at whole, the number nine, mm -hmm. yards.org. That's mm -hmm. heyu at whole9yards.org. Uh, and send us, you know, your thoughts, comments, suggestions, and relative criticisms. And we will take them under our pillow. And subscribe. And subscribe, please. I'm Jay. And I'm Ray. And we're, we're not, not idioms. idioms. Except for today. Well, yeah. You'll have that. Yeah. Whole Nine Yards is written, recorded, and produced by Big Science Pods. Learn more at whole9yards.org or contact Whole Nine Yards by emailing heyyou at whole9yards.org. That's heyyou at whole9yards.org. Whole Nine Yards theme music composed by Big Science Music. <laughs>